Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy, discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. Welcome to Shoot the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Randy, how's it going? Hey, Jake, I'm doing great today. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Yes, I had a great day today because uh, I got into a jam with uh, Steve the Beast Hayes and Mary Lowry, and it was just the three of us. So it was really cool. Not very often did just the three of us get together anymore. And we're kind of like the you know, the original crew. So it just kind of had a little reminiscing that here are the three, you know, kind of crusty veterans getting together and we all still really connect. And, you know, it was, it was really great fun. So had a great time today. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm so glad to hear it. And it's pretty cool that you guys are still jamming after all these years too. Interesting to see how, as we've all gotten older and, and matured, we don't have maybe the same athleticism, but, you know, everybody kind of handles both spins pretty good. And, you know, everybody's able to read each other and, you know, kind of dish and give the right sets to make the next person look good. And kind of cool to see that when we were young, how green we were. And now we've kind of, you know, we, we've mastered some of the skills to an extent that is just really fun to, to see. Wow, that's really cool. Uh, so, well, why don't we just get started with this episode? So, uh, in this one, we're continuing our conversation with Chipper Bro Bell, and he's going to start off by telling us uh, what his initial spin preference was. So, let's give a listen. So, Chip, what spin was your natural spin starting out? Were you clock? Counter. Counter. Gosh, I thought you were yeah. clock. Okay. So, when you dream Frisbee dreams, counter is what you're probably dreaming. Is that correct? I think so. Yeah, that's a good okay. question. I it felt like I didn't think it like yeah, counter it is. Okay. <laughs> but I love clock, of course. I want to push my clock further and harder. Yeah. Well, that I, that's interesting because I thought you were clock because you were able to master your clock rolls so well. And uh, I mean, you you master both of the spins, so it was always hard to tell. Yeah. How about you, Randy? What's your fave? Third world. Third world. I love it, Jake. <laughs> My, well, my fourth favorite. world, fourth world. Yeah. I'm like, how can I top third world? I don't know if there's anything beyond that. <laughs> no, I started with clock and I'm definitely stronger with clock. Yeah. I yeah, started yeah. with clock. And the way I describe it is that I don't have to think when it's clock, I have to kind of concentrate a little more when it's counter. Chip, when you were first learning, you were starting counter. What throw were you throwing to yourself? Well, I didn't play much by myself. If I did in learning that delay, I would, um, I did counter. So, and I would just put the Frisbee up and hold it more like a, a, you know, two hands straight up, pushing the Frisbee in and kind of spinning it in front of myself. I never learned a throw that I could snap and get to myself. I just practiced counter was my whole thing, practicing counter. And so how did your clock rolls get to be so good if you started with counter? Hmm. That's a good question, but I just naturally, I don't know, that just went that way. I didn't try. I have a hard time uh, pulling off uh, sweet last rolls. Um, I just clicked in. I, it just was my brain just went perfect. I want this, and that flowed with clock. You're right-handed, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I've, I've always had trouble with that counter roll, too, because my left 
arm just doesn't have the ability to control that release. So as I call it like a, my little alligator flipper that I'm trying to make work on my left hand, but my right hand is just like, you know, I can control it. Just throw the gem all day, huh? Just boop, boop. Yeah, that's a good point. Left-handed, like is Larb's left-handed? Uh, no, but he's right got happened. he's got an enlarged alligator flipper, though, man. He's he can really. <laughs> well, so I wonder if Craig Smith has something to do with it because he is an amazing airbrusher, but he refuses counter. If you throw him counter, he just stops it. Says no, I don't want that. He was yeah. I think to me, the one of the greatest wind jammers of, of our time back in the eighties. And again, to your point, that's all he did. He didn't take the other one. And again, to that point, Palm Park was all clock brushing. Everyone was clock brushing. So that was just the natural way everyone was doing it. Clock rolls and clock dishes and all that. Well, I want to steer you back towards Joey. Um, so you guys are, so you're working out at the Flying Disc Ranch and you're you're doing the routine. So are you guys choreographing stuff? Are you putting music in? How's the routine coming to shape? We decided to try to make our routine 100% co-ops. So we began that with, that included speed flow. Uh, and we began that with um, working on the routine and then beginning to name the moves. And that became kind of a chore because we really were writing it down. I've never, in, since this time, I didn't do it after, but back then I wrote down on paper, you know, right hand behind the back into all God, one faith into Dr. Bronner's into, uh, oh man, I can't remember them, but we took a lot of the Dr. Bronner soap bottles and used the names off of that <laughs> to name our moves. Oh, that's funny. That's brilliant. And uh, anyways, as it began, it was kind of complicated again to keep for me at the time, a hundred percent five minute co-op routine and work on that. And that's where Joey was pushing me to say, this part of the routine flows into the next. This flow, that was it. We were just kind of working on naming uh, the moves and getting it on paper and then working out every day. We were working on our music. Not sure what we played to that time. I forget. So was the music secondary in driving the shape of the routine? No, I think it was both. I, now I'm trying to think, maybe it was uh, Dixie Dregs we might have played to. And it was a lot of different changes in the music that why we developed the routine uh, to the music, not the other. I think that's what we would usually do uh, in the old days when we would choreograph, listen to the music and go, oh, I love the changes in this. I love that intro. And back then we really wanted to have changes in music and, and things, of course, inspired then by the Coloradicals and how they're changing music. And we wanted right. to move in that direction of choreography. So there you have now kind of gone through that process. What's the first tournament that you guys play together in? I think we played in 82 in uh, Sonoma, Indian Summer. And that's where I got to play with uh, Erica Compton in Mixed. And that was a fun time. I think you now Rick and I played there. Well, basically then, I think probably our first tournament then was Santa Cruz, 1982, August. And it was the, uh, I believe that they call it World Disc back then. Yeah, World Disc. It was uh, at Cabrillo Stadium. And that tournament was the first time I felt like we were going into a stadium that I'm like, wow, 
feels like a mini Rose Bowl, but we're in Santa Cruz. <laughs> and people paid, I think, $10 to get in. And there were thousands of people there in that audience that, that year. And we had put together our 100% co-op routine competing against, um, I remember like the great team then was uh, in pairs was uh, Larabs and Bill. Some other teams as well got a little foggy on it, but I remember making it to the finals and again, getting to go into that stadium with Joey and I was so nervous and he was so calming me. He's like, Chipper, just breathe through it. We're good. Standing on the field, listening to other people's music, getting ready to do our routine. Uh, we were about third from last from going up and uh, it was so cool. We pulled it together and I know we had some drops in there. We, we worked on that routine. That was one of the first times I'd felt that I had accomplished something because when Joey pushed me so hard, we pulled off that move in the finals when it counted most and we did it. It was so freaking awesome. That was like, for me, cool because it was a personal best that I didn't realize that would teach me a lot later in my career about what that meant. But we ended up finishing our routine and then hearing and watching the other event teams go out and they had, it seemed to me less drops. I remember the announcer at the end was announcing uh, the finalists and they started with, you know, I think sixth place or eighth place and fifth and fourth and third, whatever it was, they got down to like third place was in second place. I turned to Joe. I'm like, shit, we didn't even make the cut. I can't believe it. That's crazy. <laughs> And it was like so neat over the overhead, they just announced and the new world champions of world game, just world game, just games, Chipper Pro and Joey. Anyways, for me was that yeah. I totally reflected back to Doug the bomb in 1980 going, we're going to be there someday. That really was a neat turning point in my personal life to go, shit, I can do this. I can set goals and make it happen, be dedicated, push hard, but it was that two-year goal. Here's the beauty of that story is that Doug the Bum ended up playing for the Condors, and they won the world championships too. And Doug and I high-fived on that field and went, we did it. That's awesome. I, I love that you, you were listening to the results and it's like it got down to third and second place and you hadn't heard your name yet and you didn't put it together that, oh, there's only one team left and it's you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's fabulous. That was a fun prize. Joey and I got whisked away in a limo from Santa Cruz uh, to uh, San Francisco Civic Auditorium for a uh, front row tickets for talking heads. <laughs> wow. One of the prizes. Wow. Nice prize. So Chip, after the uh, win at world disc games, uh, what did you and Joey do next? Well, we kept working out and it was that begin to get that winter of uh, 82. We went through the winter working out, probably went to Oak Grove or a few other tournaments and setting our sights on probably more tournaments or next year or something. And 83 kicked in. And it was, again, back in that springtime, 83. I hope I'm getting this right. But that's when Scott Zimmerman asked me to do demos with him at uh, Knott's Berry Farm. And I kind of had a weird tension going, shit, well, my partner's Joey, and I play with him all the time. But you want me to go down to... Knott's Berry Farm, and of course Zimmerman was like the overall, you know, king back then. 
doing his thing. Um, and, but the gig was lucrative. It would have been really kind of my first bigger professional gig that three shows a day, uh, five days a week for three weeks. And uh, I think it paid 300 a day. And so I, I did it. And I went down there and lived with Scott Zimmerman, who was Crazy John's roommate. And Crazy John was traveling at the time with the Bud Light team with Hal Kurz and, and uh, other team members. The Bud Light team had been launched already. But I was down there living with Scott Zimmerman on Sturdivant Street, where actually Ashley Whippet lived too, a little Frisbee house down there in Sierra Madre. And uh, started doing these gigs with Scott. And it started off super fun. It was long days in this park doing these Frisbee shows. We had a good time fun playing with Scott and uh, kept me in shape and moving, trying to play on concrete all the time and tough conditions was a challenge, but we loved it. Then um, crazy John came back and we started hanging out at Sturdivant, totally partying, having fun. And uh, Zimmerman didn't party that much. <laughs> it was kind of funny. We partied pretty hard. And then anyways, it kind of flowed into crazy then. And I hanging and crazy saying, hey, Chipper, you want to be on, you know, the Bud Light Frisbee team? And that was even a more of a tension with me and Joey, which uh, I had to have this conversation with him. And uh, but 83, we were still doing tournaments. And that's when uh, Sonoma was hot back then. And Santa Cruz was still going World Games, I think, uh, 82, 83. And then uh, FPA was still going tournaments around the country. See that you, Joey, and Mark Wrigglebooty won co-op at FPA Worlds in '83. Do you remember right. that? Right, and that was yeah. Was that in uh, Victoria? Uh, actually, I don't have the date on where it was. I think that was Victoria, Texas. Because remember, we were kind of working out back then for Texas. We were still pollinating date palms back then. Yeah, me, Booty, and and Joey. That was awesome, man. Working out with Booty was such a joy and a thrill, and. Um, we all pushed each other hard to become cohesive with, with our strengths and, and uh, our flow. And it was such an honor to, uh, to play with those guys. But uh, I was so stoked to win a world championship with Mark, uh, which, you know, it's just one of my favorites of all time. And I think if that was in Victoria, shoot, because there was one I played with Chris Ryan. I might have played with Chris at that tournament, and Joey played with Booty. And I got spontaneous and played with Chris Ryan, and uh, that was one of my more fun, spontaneous jams. We played to take me to the river, made us play a little bit slow, but uh, I remember just getting so crazy with just, like, whatever happens and pulling it off. <laughs> just with carefree. Yeah, you were in the zone. Yeah, I think so. I think that was one of the times I, I did a two and a half spinning monster hold upside down. Uh, wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I, but, but I fell backwards <laughs> again, falling into what's going to happen next into, you know, how we can fall sometimes into a backward somersault and went, Oh shit. It fucking caught it. <laughs> wow. It wasn't on purpose. <laughs> The universe was was on your side. It was just whatever happens, guys. Let's just try it. That's awesome. Anyways, so during that time period, you're playing with other people besides Joey, but you and Joey are still kind of connected long term. Is that correct? I think so. You know, we were yeah. uh, 
Pete Rosing was in the picture back then, bless his heart. Peter, uh, at the time, arguably was one of the most dedicated players of, of all of our times. He was uh, what he did to uh, get better. And one of his goals was to play with Joey. And, you know, you some, you know, for me, I was all stoked, but there's only a few tournaments a year. So you're like, who do you play with? What do you do? And then I wanted to play with other players too. And I was playing, I was actually at the time, uh, Kate Dow and I were living together as Kate, you know, arguably uh, the greatest player of women's of all time, but we didn't play well together. We had a chemistry away from the field that was awesome we didn't play well together, but her and him and her and Joey played. So Joey and her would work on routines, which is beautiful to watch and see and do. And that gave freed me up to play with other players and mix up. But Joey and I were, we had a, a partnership. We had a, it was, uh, it was etched in hearts from the night he asked me on new year's Eve. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a bond. And again, it, 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 it ends up, the changing and, and being challenged that bond as, as our uh, professional uh, uh, opportunities grew. I wanted to circle back on that, actually, because you said that there was some tension that kind of started with Scott Zimmerman and the Knott's Berry Farm thing and then the Bud Light experience. And so you said that difficult conversation had to take place. So I'm assuming you had that conversation. And is this kind of the beginning of the Bud Light journey? And maybe you can kind of flesh that out a little bit about what that conversation was like with Joey. Yeah. Again, Crazy asked me to do a gig now. And um, I had, uh, it may have been the first one I said, yep, yeah, I'm going to go to do this, uh, a spring break gig for uh, doing the Bud Light and go open up for a, a concert and be with uh, Crazy and do do this. And so, I remember talking to Joey about it and he was pretty adamant back then of totally anti-establishment, totally anti-commercialism, totally anti-big corporate sponsorships and especially, you know, uh, a, a greedy beer company or something like that. He didn't want any part of it uh, when it first was going very cynical on corporate uh, greed. So I went and did it. I said, oh shit, I'm kind of stoked to see what I wanted to see what it was like. And uh, I heard it was going to be a party. So, I'm, hell, I'm signing up. Well, I went and did the first gig and came back at, from spring break. And it was just a, about two weeks I was gone and came back to Joey. And I'm like, Joey, man, it was pretty awesome. You should check this shit out. It was like corporate was there. But, and this is kind of weird, but it was, um, I freaking laid out a whole bunch of 20s, 50s, $100 bills on the table. And I said, check that out. And I laid them all out and he's all, oh, fuck it. We were starving. <laughs> but I said, look at this. I just went and partied, hung out with awesome girls, played Frisbee all day. And we, they paid us. I said, come on, just try one gig. Anyways, there's more to the story that these guys have. But when it first happened, Joey was bitter. Joey was bitter that I had gone, that I had broken that bond a bit, um, that I, uh, crazy, he says, quote, stole my partner. But it went, that was for a spell. There was a spell there that it was a tension. And I felt bad about it. Like, and I didn't know if I could get that relationship back. You know, did I break a trust? Did I break the bond. But I didn't ever feel I did because I had my path to find out and see what I had to do for my journey. And I just wanted to go peak. And then when I realized it was kind of, you know, not that bad out there, 
But uh, Joey came out, and uh, there's more stories about what happens after that. Yes, there are more stories uh, to be shared by Chip, and uh, he goes into more of the Bud Light experience. And so be on the lookout for uh, Chipper Bro's next episode. You're going to really enjoy the Bud Light stories as much as we did. Yeah, totally. Those stories are great. So with that, Randy, I have some really great news. We've reached our first milestone on Patreon. How cool is that? Yeah, that is incredible. I mean, it really does help keep the lights on here. And it really is amazing to know that folks really are enjoying our efforts. And it really makes us excited to continue to do this and go on this journey with all of you. So thank you so much. Yeah, totally. It's just, uh, for me anyways, and I'm sure for you too, it's just such a motivator to see people stepping up and donating and uh, liking our posts and joining us on Patreon, knowing that people are enjoying this is is tremendous. So thank you all very, very much for your support. We really appreciate it. Yes. And uh, on that note, Jake, I will talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. To contact us or for more info, check us out at frisbeeguru.com. Home to Haynesville, Shooting the Frisbees, and live streaming freestyle frisbee. Oh, yeah!